Standing out. Hello and welcome to episode 95 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. For episode 95, we know it's been a while, folks. We're going to come at you with a little quick on-the-counter episode. Very pleased to be welcoming back Mr. Christopher Sines and Christian Aparicio. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Doing good, doing good. It's been way too long. I know there's been a lot of life events for each one of us, so... This is long overdue. We appreciate the patience to our listeners. And then, Jonathan, kudos to you. Good job on Heart of LAFC representing and also plugging up some of the upcoming interviews that we have. So stay tuned for those. But just wanted to hop on, give some opinion. It's been kind of a roller coaster ride in terms of a season for LAFC thus far in the last couple of months. So I wanted to touch on that a little bit on today's episode. Yeah, everything's good. Just busy. Life is just busy, I'm sure, with all of us, and, you know, just happy to be back, happy to be able to have an episode again, and big things in the black and gold world that we want to touch on today. Of course, uh, you can always follow us on all your social media platforms, at LAFCS2S. If you are ever interested in being a guest on this show, please reach out to us. One of the most challenging things about running an interview-based show is booking guests. I mentioned this on Focus, the episode I did for Heart of LAFC, but it was very challenging for us to book guests knocking down the doors of people at the club and the front office are certainly fun interviews to be a part of, but very difficult to book. We would love to hear from y'all out there in the LAFC community. So if you have an experience that has touched your life within the LAFC community, we'd love to hear about it on the show. Hit us up on any of those social media platforms. We'd love to have you on. But as the gentleman mentioned, we have had quite a few games since our last episode. So rather than run match by match with a recap, gentlemen, I just kind of want some overarching thoughts of what are the challenges that has caused the club to face so much adversity of late? And what do you think are going to be the solutions going forward? So we'll touch on that a little later in the show, but we do have some news and notes to recap. Most notably, the departure of one of the cornerstones of our midfield, a man who has been with us since day one, game one. Mark Anthony Kay has departed the club and headed to the Colorado Rapids. LAFC in exchange have received $1 million in allocation money. We have also got an international slot for next season in exchange for our first round draft pick next year as well, too. So, boys, first and foremost, with K on our minds, what do you guys think of the K departure, his time here at LAFC, and what it's going to be for him when he gets to Colorado? I think that it was something that needed to be done in the way of thinning out the midfield. I think that we've seen the emergence of Sifu as a dominant role in that midfield. And I think that just with the changing of the formation that Bob Bradley has uh, implemented this season, I think that there just wasn't enough space for everybody. And there was an opportunity there to offload one of the players for a significant amount of money in that international spot, which we desperately were looking for, especially with the rumors of Chicho Arango coming in from uh, Colombia. It's, it's sad, right? Because I think that, you know, Mark Anthony Kay was definitely someone who was at one point a very, very loved and fan favorite. And 
it seemed like uh, during last year, it was a fall from grace and he kind of became a scapegoat to some of just an everyday blaming of reasons why we had lost possession in the midfield and were turning the ball over and not performing well. But I think that at the end of the day, Mark Anthony K was, you know, a great presence that we had in the midfield. And I feel like he was more of an asset than a problem. And it's going to be sad to see him go, but I hope that, you know, his career does continues to grow and does well. And, you know, I, I wish him well in Colorado. My reaction to Mark Anthony's case stint here is I think he had a really good few years in terms of his trajectory we, we forget that he was at Louisville City from USL and then wasn't necessarily a central midfielder and became that and then began to flourish in the system had a decent 2018 2019 he blossomed and I think if he doesn't get injured or you know kind of has that really bad ankle injury 2019 is different and I think our midfield is deeper and we probably make more a longer cup run right and I don't think 2020 boded well for him. And I also think that there was a few players in the pipeline to being sold. And I think he was he was one of them. So I, th- I think before pandemic and before social justice sentiments around the country happened in 2020, I think his mind was already kind of wandering. And I think that affected his performances. And coming into this offseason, with all that in mind, I think he wanted a fresh start. Reading between the lines and what Bob Bradley was saying, and Thorrington was saying in their interviews announcing his departure, it sounded like he almost kind of requested this, right? So whether it was abroad or within the MLS, it, his mind was somewhere else at times. And I think that affected his performances too. So there was some criticism there that was justified. Other times it was just a scapegoat. Statistically, he was playing well and getting a million dollars back in allocation money, getting an international slot. All that makes sense for us. You know, we're kind of selling high when uh, I think we have enough midfielders to uh, cover his position and also have been more productive than he has been this season. So to me, all in all, it's good, except for the only thing I don't like is that Colorado is basically fighting with us for some of these MLS uh, Western Conference spots. That's the only thing I'm not necessarily happy about, but I can understand that that's the best offer at this point. And probably is why the deal had to be made. You touched on it, but in Bob Bradley's interview around Kay's departure, one of the first things Bob Bradley brought up was the emergence of Jose Cifuentes. And with Sifu taking Kay's spot in the midfield, with Kay relegated to the bench, where you already have the likes of Joe Janela on a contract north of half a million dollars, you've got Bryce Duke, the rising star, Kay became the odd man out there. And given the structure of MLS being a salary cap league, it's very difficult to retain pieces like Mark Anthony K on the bench if you're not going to use them. And I think John Thorrington touched on that as well, too, in his conversations about it, that the team would love to have kept K if they had all the money in the world to spend. But we don't exist in that world. It's a capped league. And if we're looking to bring in players and refresh the squad, Someone has to leave in order for that to happen. I'm sure that $1 million in allocation money we received in return, as well as the international roster spot next year, are something that are going to be used to great effect. And so Kay became, you know, the odd man out in that respect, to, to use the phrase again. We wish him all the best. He was certainly a great ambassador for the sport and for the community. 
his work both on and off the pitch was exceptional. He made a small number of mistakes on the pitch for LAFC. Regrettably, those mistakes seem to always be at the worst time and seem to be very costly. That's a very, very difficult situation for a player to be in, especially a player that you know needs confidence in order to succeed, like we clearly see in Mark Anthony K. I wish him all the best in Colorado. Obviously, with them being in our conference, we hope that his success does not equate to Colorado's success, but wishing him all the best personally going forward. It's a bummer to see someone who has been part of the original starting 11 depart from us, but this is football. People come, people go. The business of the team has to move forward. And with that, let's turn our eyes to the future. We saw some of our friends in the LAFC community went out to the airport and met a certain player incoming who was ready to sign autographs on LAFC material. So it would be a bit premature of us to say he's inked, given that we have seen no hat box, we have seen no contract, and there's probably medicals and some contract information that need to be ironed out first. But hypothetically speaking, with the pending arrival of Chicho Arango, what are you guys looking at in having a new center forward show up to town? I'm happy. I'm optimistic. I think that's what, what's been missing in our matches, which is why some of the draws become losses and some of the winning positions become draws. We haven't taken advantage of our opportunities in and around the box. Also, I do think that going back to a 4-3-3 is going to be well-suited for the team. I think this 3-5-2 is kind of a way to accommodate some of the personnel. We only had two wingers that became strikers with Raito being away and not having a real central striker. I think with Chicho coming in, I think we can put Vela and Rossi back out on the wings, create those opportunities from those flanks, those channels, and then have an out-and-out number nine in the middle putting the, the goals away. Um, so I'm happy about it. I hope it means that we revert back to a 4-3-3. Although I like the 3-5-2, we've had dynamic movement and Moon Juan has been a revelation. I don't think it's our best formation to this point, and it's been a good interim formation. And I do want to say for all those that have said in the last few years that Bob is inflexible, I kind of wish he hadn't reverted to it, but because of the personnel, we had to. And I think we've seen skill sets from some of the players that we would have not seen otherwise, like Raheem Edwards. I don't think in a four- 3-3, he's going to play much, to be honest with you. I think that this gives us an opportunity to have flexibility. And given the opponent, you know, it, it makes us have a different look. And so now teams are going to have to prepare for potentially having two different looks to prepare for, which makes it harder. I think that when we were consistent in the 4-3-3, that some teams could key in on their best effort to prevent the 4-3-3 from being successful so now that there are two formations and you can and we've seen in some of the matches already in the last couple of weeks that Bob starts off with in, in this 3-5-2 or whether it's a 5-2-1-2 uh, whatever it is whatever the exact formation is and then halfway through the game he'll he'll change it back to the 4-3-3 it's a different look it, it gives different runs and it, it makes teams prepare twice for two different looks based on what formation we want to come out with that day. And ultimately, I think that once we really establish the chemistry and which players fit in best in which formation, 
uh, that will make us a stronger team to play against. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the departure from the 4-3-3 system has been largely in part to the personnel that we have. And not having a true striker, a true center forward on the roster makes it hard to put three up top. Because in the past, when we have seen Rossi Vela Rodriguez or Rossi Vela insert player here, it hasn't been the most successful for us because none of those players had that true center forward talent. We haven't really seen that since the Dio's or the Christian Ramirez's of the world were here. And Dio, obviously a person that fit well within the system, but perhaps not within the culture of Los Angeles and ultimately ended up departing. Christian Ramirez, a person who I don't think fit particularly well within the system. And if Christian Arango shows up, I mean, look, he's a guy who's got 21 goals in 2019, the last time he played uh, for the Blue Ballet, the Millionarios. That's in 53 appearances. So he was basically getting a goal every other game. For a young player, that's fantastic to see, especially in a difficult league, as we know the leagues are down in his neck of the woods. So uh, certainly someone that I'm really excited about seeing what he and Rossi Vela or you know, Raito Vela and him there can produce. I think that's very exciting. And I'd love to see us go back to a 4-3-3 with a true center forward. Without that piece on the team, I think we've had to sort of find something that worked. And uh, the 5-3-2, 3-5-2, whatever you want to call it, you know, summon your inter-LAFC events here if we talk about formations. We all know that's just a starting point, right? I mean, obviously the game devolves from there. And matchups and assignments tend to play out a little differently. That system really kind of caught us in this last game where we had Eddie Sibura out with the knee injury. Uh, Morillo takes a bit of a hamstring knock in the game and all of a sudden both our center backs are now out. And I think that was definitely something that whether or not that's the reason why we gave up that goal in the 95th minute or not, I think that would have been a very different look on goal if we had Segura and Murillo in. So it's hard to play with three center backs when you have a center back hurt. Now two center backs out hurt. Hopefully they recover and are back quickly. But Farfan and Blackman as our center backs is probably not the best look going forward. So let's hope that Segura and Murillo get a chance to come back in. But um, the run of form lately is the next subject I really want to talk on because we have been lackluster in offense has been an inability to convert on a number of opportunities and the defense seems to have this way of capitulating late in games which has been difficult for all of us within the black and gold community and I know you can't necessarily judge a team based on results but it's been hard to see the results so far this year and feel overwhelmingly positive about the state of this team so maybe talk me off a ledge boys help me come back to reality here what are the bright spots going forward that we can see and what are the areas that we still need to work on so that we can kind of focus on, on what this team needs to do to be successful. Christian, why don't you go ahead and take the lead? Yeah, no, assuming that Chicho is, uh, can convert in a similar clip here at LAFC, the opportunities there are there, right? We just don't have a person with the composure or the hunger in the box to put it away apart from Vela and Rossi. Only having kind of two options, I think the defense is able to set up for that. We become predictable and we just have to kind of guard these two players and uh, then it becomes much more difficult for us to have clear chances. Uh, the only one other player that's doing their thing in terms of just being a little unpredictable is Sifu. And Sifu, what I like about him is if he's in and around the box, he's going to shoot. And I think more of our players need to do that. And I think 
some of those attributes we'll see from Chicho when he's here. So I think you, you hit around the nose in terms of we're creating chances, we're not converting chances. And defensively, I think one of the things that are in the 3-5-2 formation, while very dynamic going forward, if we don't have really good wingers that can come back and are in the right spots defensively, it becomes an open game where a team can kind of sit back and wait to go down the break, wait for that uh, the wings to open up. And uh, because we have three kind of narrow center backs, they have opportunities if they have the dynamic players on the wings to create chances and potentially convert. I, I feel like it's only a handful of opportunities per game that we give up, but teams are converting at a higher percentage because there's so much space in behind or on the sides, right? So in terms of talking you off the ledge, the only thing I would say is um, a lot of the core of this team was part of the CCL, right? And I think we learned to play in a tournament finally in that run. And I think there's understanding in the locker room where if we get into the playoffs that we know how to close out games because of that in that kind of situation. The only thing on that same vein that upsets me is like, we haven't been able to do that. Like for example, this most recent game in Minnesota, Sifu fell kind of holding his face instead of pulling that guy down, take the foul, take the yellow, muck up the game in the last minute. And then there is no kind of opportunity for Moon Juan not be able to step up and have that's in shoot on going Romero's not necessarily set with his feet. Right. So th- those are the kinds of things that I think we learned from those Mexican teams, how they do that at the end of the game. While I hate it, I think it's something that's going to have to become necessary as we come into the run-up into the playoffs and actually perform in that manner in the playoffs, especially if we're in the lower half of the playoff table because we're going to have to go away and kind of go to some of the dark cards, quote-unquote. Not to swoop on your spot here, Chris, but just to, to recap, Christian, wouldn't you say that that CCL final – I mean, we had the lead and it was our inability to protect a lead in that game that cost us that Conca Champions Cup. And in addition to the ideas about not being able to close out a game, so many playoff games, those tournament style games are decided on set pieces, dead balls. And Frank, well, in this last game, we finally saw some traditional looking corners from LAFC, but barring this last game, we still have had a lot of issues with corners, set pieces, dead balls, things that tend to make or break a team when it comes to a tournament-style playoffs. Do you still have concerns around those areas? I do, but a little less so than in the past. I think Romero is actually way more decisive coming out, right? And then we we do have Murillo and Segura, who are pretty decent in the air. I don't think we've conceded at the same rate as we have in previous seasons offensively I do have some concerns because we haven't been able to put goals away until this most recent game. So I think the confidence is in there, which is why we're taking short corners. Right. So we have Vela, we have a twist who could put the ball in there. I just don't understand why we can't just go up and compete for a ball. It's really weird. And then I still, I'm not a fan of zonal marking defensively. Um, it hasn't hurt us too badly this year, but I think in the playoffs, if I start seeing that, I mean, it's going to be making me and I think most LAFC fans and supporters very nervous. You know, one thing that might help put this into perspective, and I saw this on the LAFC fans page, and it just had made me 
think about it and it, it made me feel better about where we were so far in the season right so we're right now we're currently sitting in fifth with 23 points we have a game in hand over the galaxy and sporting kansas city who sporting is in second galaxy are in third we have played the same amount of games in seattle and we have two games in hand over colorado and we are you know relatively close to being in third place if we would have pulled out a win we would have been sitting in third place right now the only two teams that are ahead of us are seattle and sporting like i said with 32 and 30 respectively if you look at the goal differentials points for and points and goals against we're not far behind really anybody you know sporting kansas city is 28 goals for the season we're we're sitting at 22 that's the biggest gap in the western conference right now is these six Colorado, we have more goals than them. Galaxy has one more than us, and Seattle has three more than us. What stands out, though, is the goals against. So I don't think it's a matter of us needing to have more. Obviously, if we have, we've always been an electric team, and we've always been able to put up a lot of points in games. So for whatever reason, we are not able to find the right opportunities or the, the, or the, the timing is off but we're still able to put up points consistently on a regular basis. I think that where it is, is that we are letting in too many goals we have, you know, and I don't know if you want to, I don't think you can just pinpoint it on one thing. I don't think you can say it's a lack of focus or it's a lack of defensibility, or if it's, you know, players just not knowing their situation or positional awareness. I think it's a collective of of several things. And that also has always been a consistent problem with us since the inception is that we have had defensive issues you know that one season 2019 where we broke the scoring record we also had a lot of times where there were goals that were scored against us and it was it was one of those things where you know we had such a dominant season 2019 because we just ended up scoring in excess of the amount of goals that were needed to win games but we still gave up goals there were high scoring affairs constantly. So I, I don't think that it's a matter of needing to score more. I think that there are just holes in our defense that we still need to find solutions for. I think part of it is, I think, like I mentioned, the, the formation, right? It's new, the three five two five three two, whatever you want to call it. So we haven't necessarily found our groove in that end. I will say for those that are anti-K, we are going to lose some of the defensive prowess that he had but I also do think him leaving gives us more balance because then now Blessing is able to be more of a disruptor and Sifu can be a little bit more offensive where K kind of did both things and not always was as efficient as the three I think that we have now starting could be without him. What worries me about the K trade or the K sale you know we know that the time that we have with Rossi and Atuesta is shorter rather than longer. And, you know, let's just say that in this window, they both leave, which is still very possible. Then what does our midfield look like? You know, I'm not, I obviously see Fuentes would be an acceptable replacement for Atuesta. Um, Blessing is still going to be solid in the midfield, you know, but who's going to take that third spot? Is it going to be Janela? Is it going to be Duke? Is it going to be somebody else? You know, are you going to put in maybe put in Edwards in the midfield? It's, it's just one of those things where, you know, I understand getting rid of Mark Anthony K because we have an excess of midfielders right now, but 
in just a matter of weeks, we could now be desperate for a midfielder like him. I trust John Thornton to be the type of person that if a key piece is leaving, he has an idea of how to replace it. In all of his interviews and all the conversations we've had with him personally, he's always said that they have a contingency plan in place for any player that's departing, you know, from Vela on down to somebody at the lights. So if someone goes, those resources are going to be used to bring someone in. The team is always thinking one step ahead. I'm, I'm not too concerned about a Twesta leaving and us not being able to find someone. I'm concerned how quickly that player will acclimate what that means to this particular season and how it pans out. I'm sure it'll work out in the long run. But, uh, you know, look, if we're using that Dortmund model, um, you, you've always got to be ready to sell and ready to replace. And I agree. I very much agree with you, Jonathan. And, and everything has a plan in it. But again, it's how soon will that plan be implemented and rolling and you know working out in the way that we want it to the problem i have with and i've heard people you know say oh well lafc is going to be the Dortmund model the problem that i have with that is that we don't have the same rules as the bundesliga where Dortmund may not necessarily be content with not winning the bundesliga every year but if they end the season in second or third or fourth, they still get a berth to the Champions League, where that's not the case here. We're not the Dortmund LAF- model. It's Dallas, dude. Dallas selling all their young players. We're competing okay. every year. But uh, okay, so then fine. But so then you look at that, right? Dallas isn't winning the any any berths to the Conca Champions League, right? They're barely like in the playoffs. So that's what I'm saying. Right. So I I don't. While I understand that the model that we are using is to buy buy cheap, sell high, develop talent, we also need to find a balance of where we hold on to that talent long enough for us to win and be successful and have hardware. Because if we don't, we're never going to be this global club because we don't live in the same league where fourth through second is rewarded for their, their efforts. The clubs that get rewarded are the ones that walk away from tournaments with a trophy in their hand. Whether it's the U.S. Open Cup, the Supporters' Shield, the MLS Cup, you know, those are the those are the clubs that get rewarded, not the ones that, you know, finish in fourth place with the fourth highest points at the end of the season. I mean, there are spots for, I think, second place on each side of the Western Conference, which is why I'm upset that so many points have been dropped, right? There's a lot of opportunities missed here. So, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I, the only thing I'll push back on is we're not the only team doing this, right? And the MLS, like, one of the only ways to generate revenue is to sell on players. And we're not the only club doing that. And everyone's trying to no. figure out the balance to do that. Yes, of course. And right, there's other clubs that are doing this. And unfortunately, this is, you know, based on things like the salary cap, the DP rules, the structure of our, of um, how we award champions in our league. Like, of course, all of these things come in and it's it, it's not straightforward or as easy as it could be uh, the path to success. At some point as a fan, you sit here and you're like, man, you know, I want to see a great product on the pitch and I want to see hardware in a trophy case. And it's when you see the, the, the players and the transactions and it just 
you feel like you're you're close to capturing lightning in a bottle and then there's just missteps or mishaps or what have you and it's it's so deflating i mean the other side of that as well too is if you keep a rossi or an atuesta too long and the player refuses to sign a new contract then they leave on a free and the club is out 10 to 20 million dollars which does not fit the financial model of this club. So there has to be some balance between it. Yes. And a Rossi is an exception to the rule. When you look at, uh, you can't say on one breath, a Rossi, and then on the other breath, you know, like Atuesta, they're not going to return the same value. You know, Rossi is going to get us 20 million, 22 million. Whereas Atuesta, unfortunately, which I don't understand why I feel like he is worth way more than what he's being valued at but even if he's valued at 10 million i don't know if we could find a player of his caliber for 10 million that or what would then become available i don't know if we could replace him for what we're selling him for right whereas we couldn't even spend the 10 million anyway it's not like europe right no but that's what i'm saying so like with Rossi, you know, you you get that twenty million, and you're like, okay, I can buy four players with this money now, and the chances of those four players developing into somebody being another Rossi, right? What well, I just I don't. It's harder, I think, to replace Atuesta than it is to replace Rossi, especially when the dollars you're getting for Atuesta are less than what you're getting for Rossi. I guess what I would say there is, yeah. Rossi being is going to be sold for more, but we don't get to spend those 20 million either. It's still a salary cap, right? That, that gets reinvested into facilities, the stadium, the owner's pockets, right? Cooler gear, etc. It's It's not, it's not like a return on investment model that is unique to the U S it's not like in Europe where the majority is that going to be of that sell on is going to be spent on the squad here. It's not necessarily that way if i really think about it the trades haven't turned out well just yet but like the zimmerman and the k trade getting allocation money is actually way more useful in international spots than actually selling to europe um, on a roster for the mls in an immediate basis that's one of the things that i've come to realize over the last couple years right because now you have the ability to spend and be salary cap compliant versus making money for the owners as a fan, I prefer that, right? The owners, I'm sure, is the other. Where Rossi gets sold for $20 million, they get to keep most of it as part owners. Yeah, and part of LAFC's evaluation as one of, if not the most valuable MLS franchise, I think recently we were valued at just over $800 million. I mean, so much of that is based on the investment ownership is put into facilities, both at the bank and at the training center. And at some point in time, these wealthy people are going to start expecting some return on that investment. They're, yes, some of them have a passion for the club and that passion is worthy of an investment to them. But the rest of them are business type people that are going to expect some transactional business profit to come in. And we can only do so much of that with merchandise sales and ticketing sales and all those other things, revenues from sponsors. At some point, players are going to have to be sold for these people to get their profit back. So as much as that pains us as fans to think of it that way transactionally, unfortunately, that's the nature of it. And it's going to take place. And hopefully those transactions yield positive results on the pitch. And that's all we can hope for with Kay's departure and with uh, the pending arrival, potentially, 
of Christian Arango. We shall see. We're still getting the cup, though. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that is one thing about this league that I'm, you know, I, on one hand, I'm complaining about, but at the same time, the structure of the league, if you catch momentum at the right time, at the right part of the season, you know, the seventh place team can easily win the, the cup. This is the time when in 2019, I was, I was happy and then upset at the end of the year. I'd rather be in the mix and get hot at the right time and have the confetti coming down with us at the bank than like having a 2019 type season, breaking all kinds of records just to be like Tom Brady in that almost perfect season. Well, I mean, there is one thing to keep in mind. If you want home field advantage throughout the playoffs, that's determined by your standing. And so that confetti might be happening somewhere else, even if we win it, if we enter the playoffs as a lower seed, and then we don't get to view as many of these games from the hospitable confines of Bank of California Stadium, we would be doing a lot of away days. And that's a more difficult ask to have a team go on the road and win those difficult playoff style games than it is to have them do it with some home cooking. Good point. But I do think that the bank will be open for us to be in there watching it, if that's the case. Well, Well, I'm not worried about the watch parties. The watch parties will always be popping for LAFC. I'm more worried about the players and how it affects them when they are traveling versus the potential of a home game. We'll see. This is all speculative. I'm looking forward to still, like, like Chris said, we're, a win away from being in third that that upset me just being not being able to say we're above uh, the galaxy at this point in time especially in the run-up to that match later in august there's way too many drop points where it just feels like we should have had the win and that's what's more disappointing than anything else the team isn't trending upwards but the team is playing okay and there's a lot of potential to play better and well and be dominating not only the possession but also winning by multiple goals and just closing out games and that's that's what i think needs to happen in the next couple of months so that we enter the playoffs with some confidence. Yeah, I'm hoping that this uh, upcoming Wednesday's match against Sporting, we take an opportunity to take some points from a very talented and tough opponent. And I think that if we come out on the right foot, it's nice that we're going to have a nice week-long break. You know, I felt like over the month of July, LAFC played a lot of games close and close together you know and also we had had some players on international duty for the uh Conmebol and uh Brian uh, Rodriguez coming back from his loan also on international duty and it's just it's it's good to have a full squad um, available to give us these options of the different formations or the different players getting in and I think that you know it will be interesting once if and when Brian Rodriguez is back in the lineup as an everyday starter because he does he brings another aspect of the of the team chemistry to the pitch that has to be accounted for and has to be respected whether or not he ends up making too many touches on the ball and losing it the fact is people defenders still have to be aware of him and what he's doing they can't just let him run free it's going to be fascinating to see how it pans out that's for sure Excited about the team getting a little bit of respite, a chance to get their minds in the right place going into that match versus sporting, which is going to be a difficult one for us. I'm really just waiting for that game where the offense breaks out. And I know, Chris, you touched on how you feel the defense is the issue that the offense is putting in the goals, but we still, it's going to be August by the time we play our next game, and we still have not scored 
more than two goals in a match. And that is something that I think we all find very concerning. And even with the rumors around a true center forward coming in, I don't know if that's going to be 100% of the solution to get us back to where we're scoring four or five goals a game. Yeah, but again, this is not a sport where you need to score four or five goals to be victorious, right? Like soccer at its purest, right? It's a match that it, when evenly played is a one or two goal match. So, I, I mean, while I understand having the being able to breathe and having the comfort of outscoring our opponents by two plus goals is very comforting. I don't think that it is a necessity for us to be successful. Well, you take a game like we just had a couple nights ago. If some of those opportunities were converted, you know, I think Sifu had one of those opportunities where he had a wide open look at goal and for whatever reason didn't get the shot off in time then we're not looking at a 2-2 tie from a goal in the 95th minute. Even if we give up that goal late, it's a 3-2 victory. That equates to points. And in MLS, with teams being as they are, pitches being as they are, I, I do think you need a little more offense if you plan on winning this league. You have to have those games where you go out there and you put a few goals past the opponent in order to give yourself that breathing room because you don't have the kind of benches that are so deep like you see in so many other leagues with expanded salaries where they're able to keep it a 2-1, a 1-0 game and still have the kind of substitutions that can keep the quality on the pitch at the same level. In the MLS, when you go to the bench, you do not have a second starting 11 like almost all these teams throughout the rest of the world have. So in some ways, the salary cap sort of forces you to play a bit more offensive-minded, knowing that as you dip into reserves, the quality level is financially not at the same level as other leagues. Well, with that, I think we should go ahead and transfer to some community news at the moment. I think we have uh, exhausted the philosophy of what we plan to see going forward and what we have seen so far this year. We'd love to hear your comments, fans. Again, please reach out to us on any of those social media platforms at LAFCS2S. Speaking of the potential arrival of Chicho, we would be remiss to not mention what has happened to our capo in the North End, Chicha, uh, his family, Yana Sosa, as well, too, and the loss of their brother tragically this week. Uh, we know that D9U, as well as the Drumline and a number of other SGs, have put out a GoFundMe for the funeral funds and the support of the family for their tragic loss. We would certainly encourage all of you to support them if you are financially in a way to help support the brother of one of our drummers and the brother-in-law of one of our capos as they are going through a very difficult time. Speaking of people that are going through a difficult time at the moment, we have been very vocal on the social media front about Reunite the Blessings. I definitely wanted to touch on that on the show as well, too. For those of you who are not familiar, Latif's wife is still in Ghana, four years with the club, and she has been unable to secure a visa to come to the United States. We know the club has tried very hard in order to get her here. We are putting no fault on them in this, but because of the situation as it is, we know it's weighing heavily on Latif, and his future with the club might hang in the balance of whether or not he gets his family here to California or not. So we would highly encourage you guys to raise awareness around the issue. 
If you would like to continue the hashtag reunite the blessings, anything to get some awareness out there about the situation Latif is in. And I mentioned this on Heart of LAFC, but I really want to echo that with all of the physical and mental strains placed on a footballer, especially one that is in a completely different culture, continent, society from which they grew up in. I can't imagine how taxing it has been on Latif to not be able to go home to his wife every day. And having her in Ghana, however many time zones away that is, can't be an easy thing for him to have had to endure for four long years. And if we continue to see Latif as a cornerstone of our midfield, as I think we all do tactically, if we continue to see him as an integral piece of the black and gold community, as he has certainly presented himself off the pitch, we would be remiss to not think that he needs to have his wife here. And whatever we can do as the black and gold community to raise awareness in hopes that someone in immigration or someone somewhere will catch ear to this and hopefully help Latif get his wife to the United States. So please help us reunite the blessings, uh, help Latif get his wife here to California. It would mean the world to him and something that he has most assuredly earned from us within the black and gold community is our efforts to try and help that happen. So please, folks, help us reunite the blessings um, and let's try and take care of Latif because he goes above and beyond for us. And I don't think it's too much to ask for a footballer as important as he is, a community member as important as he is to have his wife here. And, you know, before I go on a tirade about my personal opinions about our immigration law and processes and how that has affected my family and certainly plenty of other families out in the black and gold community at the moment, it is Latif's family that is first and foremost on our mind and would love to see his wife get a visa Love to see her here in California supporting him. And I think we would get a better player as a result if that were the case. Well said, Jonathan. Blessing. You have our support. And we'll keep putting that message out there. With that, gentlemen, uh, we do have our match upcoming versus Sporting KC next week. We've sort of touched on what we'd like to see from the team going forward. Do you guys have any thoughts on this match specifically as what you'd like to see from the team? Do you want to see a 4-3-3? Do you want to see Raito start? Are you happy with this wingback formation, be it a 5-3-2-3-5-2-5-2-1-2, whatever you want to call it? Sorry, Vince. Whatever you guys would like to see in this upcoming match next week. I think it's all going to be based on Segura and Murillo's injuries and where they're at with their fitness. I do like this new formation that we that we have. I like the idea of the the five defenders in the back and you know the the wing backs they kind of they peel up and and the formation kind of shifts over to to still have four on the back and I like how it it's constantly flowing and moving and so I'm a fan of that formation. And so I would like to see it. And I, I would like to see Raito. I would like to see more of him and see how that, that changes that dynamic of the, uh, you know, of the whole, of the whole formation. I mean, imagine if you had a five, two, three, like, what would that look like? You know, just having two midfielders. No, Christian's shaking his head. No. Well, I, I, I do think that would leave us a bit exposed, but, my concern with the 5-3-2 at this point, and I think we saw this in the last match, is if Segura is injured and you have Farfan Blackman Murillo out there, 
there was no one to go to on the bench when Mario picked up the knock. And then well, we have Mamadou Fall and Chiki was playing back there, the center, one of the center backs. Yes, but I'm just saying we have Fall, who recently has been called up more often from the lights to be on the bench and he's dressed. And I've been watching a lot of the Las Vegas Lights games and Fall looks capable. I would be interested to see what it looks like when he's on. Not against sporting. Like that's like that that's he comes in against like Dallas or Vancouver. I think one of the bottom feeding teams, but not sporting. Because sporting would eat him alive. But I agree with you, Chris, depending on who's who's available. What I want is I want grit out there. I want I want an ugly win. I want like a one nil where we're defensively staunch and we're not giving it an inch and we we score on a counterattack ourselves and um, are able to hold possession but frustrate the team defensively. We have not seen that kind of performance recently and I think that'll be something that we need especially if we have injured players because then we can't be as aggressive because I think Segura and Murillo are some of our better one-on-one defenders, which sometimes it's a little too exposing. But without them being fit, we need to defend in a block and defend as a team. So that's what I'm looking forward to. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's 3-5-2 or 4-4-3, or excuse me, 4-3-3. I was excited by the performance of Blackman in this last match. Obviously, he has a great goal from a corner, something we were all desperately waiting to see. But I thought defensively he was particularly good as well, too. Obviously, you know, it's hard not to point a finger at the defense after the couple lapses in that second half. But throughout the course of the first half and really from, you know, minutes 55 to 94, he played particularly well. So if Segura or Murillo can't get the call this next week, I'm, I'm confident in Blackman. I have a little bit less confidence in Farfan. Uh, he just, I, I don't know if it's a K-like situation where I'm just calling him out because of a couple mistakes, but those mistakes seem to have been costly. And I'm not so convinced Fall is ready. I do think of him as a 2022-23 being a big piece of this defense, but I would have to agree with Christian. I don't think he's up for a sporting KC match. I, I think personnel-wise, we're somewhat forced to go back to a 4-3-3 once again. And I think Raito is going to get the start. I think we'll see a Raito Vela Rossi up top, or instead of Raito, it, it could be some combination of any of our other forwards. But I think we are light on center backs at the moment and are going to need to hold on to one of those just in case. So I do think we go back to a 4-3-3. I think that opens up the game a little bit. I am not eternally optimistic about this game if we have injury woes. If it turns out that we're able to put out a decent starting 11, I do think we always have a chance for results against any team, especially at the bank. So it's going to be interesting to see what Bob puts out there to start with, who's available to play. But I don't think there's a reason we can't go out there and win this game 3-1, 2-1. I really think we have an ability to, I mean, look what Vela did in this last game. I mean, the pace that he's at right now, the form he's in, 
my goodness, he's put in some wonder goals. We've seen Rossi take a little bit of a step back these last couple games, but if you get a game where both Vela and Rossi are both pulsing at the right, I mean, we could blow them out of the water too, you know, but the, the same goes the other direction. If we go out there and we struggle on set pieces again, dead balls continue to be an opportunity. The defense is not as locked in as it needs to be, or our strikers are not on form. We could get blown out as well too. I think this is going to be one of the most unpredictable games, you know, from the weekend looking forward that we've had in a really long time, but I'm very optimistic that LAFC will get it together. Looking forward to it. All right. That's all I got guys. It was good to get this one out and it's been way too long and it was good to talk to you both. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have to, we've got some changes coming up in the, uh, in the format of the show. And I think we're going to, starting with a clean slate off of episode 100. So for those of our faithful listeners, be, uh, be on the uh, lookout for some changes coming up and some big things uh, for episodes 101 through infinity. Amen. Um, and as this show continues to try and find ways to fill the spaces when we do not have interviews, we'd love to hear from you guys out in the LAFC community. On weeks where we can't book a guest, what would you guys like to hear from us? more banter back and forth between us. Do you want to see some structured segments? We'd really like to hear what you guys would like from the show when those weeks happen in which we can't land a guest, but we would always much rather have someone here to speak with, and we would much rather those people be one of you. So if you are a listener of the show and have never been on the show, we'd love to have you on. Please come and join us. Uh, you do not have to be an integral member of the black and gold family in a more prominent role in order to say something and have an opinion and be a great guest on the show. Some of our favorite episodes have been with people that might not necessarily hold a position with the club or the 3252 or in the community. We would just love to sit back and talk some football with you. So with that, that'll go ahead and wrap us up for episode 95 on behalf of Chris Christian and myself and shouts to sound engineer, Wilton, Wilton, we hope your mother is recovering well. Our love to her and her injuries she sustained this past week. Good on you for taking care of her, sir. Our much love to Wilton's family. But of course, sound engineer Wilton, the man, the myth, the legend himself, always with us here in spirit, if not in voice on the show. But one of these days, we'll twist his arm and get him to come on and say a word or two himself. But Wilton, much love to you and your family, sir. With that, that'll wrap us up for episode 95. Again, thank you all for listening. With that, Take us home, Sticks. Up to show up. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC Dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They want me to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.